The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Later on Apple, Google, or Spotify. But welcome. Hopefully you're feeling good today. I mean, I know some people are are not. <laughs> some people might be having some issues. Um, I know a lot of people that have been dealing with depression over the pandemic and it's tough. I mean, depression is a big issue in this country. Many people suffer from it, varying degrees as well. I mean, it can be to the ex- extreme or just kind of the blues, you know, it's it varies. But it seems like every time you turn on the TV, there's another ad for some kind of wonder pill to make you feel great, try this or that. And when you're suffering from depression, when you're in it, you're going to try anything to make you feel better. Medication, yoga, meditation, you name it. So if you've gone down this road or maybe someone you love, you definitely want to stick around for today's show. So I first spoke with my guest, Amy B. Scherer, back in 2019, and we talked about her book, How to Heal Yourself from Anxiety When No One Else Can. And she shared a remarkable energy therapy that has helped thousands of people when nothing else worked. So today I've got Amy back on, and she joins us to talk about her new book, How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can, and to share her proven approach of using energy therapy for releasing emotional stress and trauma. So Amy, I'm thankful that you could join me. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. And Amy joins me from New York here. Um, <laughs> we're just chatting a little bit before the show. You know, how's the weather there? How's the weather there? Just kind of comparing. So Amy, I'm so glad that you could be here today. And I've been reading over the book and spending some time with it. And, you know, you're no stranger to depression uh, yourself and your family. You have a family history of this condition as well. So, I mean, you kind of come to this from a personal perspective can you share a little bit on what that was like and then what led you to discover the techniques that you share in the book? Sure, absolutely. So I think like me, many people have, you know, one or more people maybe in their in their, you know, family who who suffer with or experience depression. And what I learned about depression, my dad had, you know, a long history of depression. And at some point, you know, when I got older, I too struggled with depression, but I didn't recognize it early because I didn't, it didn't look like how my dad struggled. He couldn't get out of bed. He had a real, you know, clinical depression. Whereas for me, it turned out that just, I had these periods of just kind of feeling blah or blue. And sometimes I would feel better than others, but there would be these stretches. And it was after sort of, I had been through this very long medical, um, journey myself of healing that I started to feel this kind of blah or blue and realized that a lot of the patterns in my life being a people pleaser, perfectionist, always wanting everybody to be happy had sort of caught up to me and started to depress or suppress 
my joy and who I really was. And so I always tell people that, you know, my big, my big realization was that depression happens on a spectrum. It can look like my dad suffering from depression, which was clinical and very extreme to, to me experiencing depression, which was definitely much more subtle, but still getting in the way of my life. And for me, it didn't really make sense. It was at a point in my life where I had already healed permanently and completely from my physical symptoms. I had chronic Lyme disease for many years, an entire decade. And I was over that. So I should have been really happy. And in many ways I was, I had a house that I loved, a spouse, all the things that we're supposed to be happy about. Yet I had this feeling, this deep disconnection from life. And that was sort of my way into really understanding what depression is, how it happens on a spectrum and why some of us don't actually address it because we think, you know, it's not that big of a deal or it's not really depression or whatever it may be. And so it was a very interesting sort of um, epiphany for me. It really is. As you're describing that, I'm thinking back just to, you know, family members that I know have dealt with depression. My my father did as well. My My brother's dealing with it to varying degrees. I mean, I've been through depression, depressive episodes, and you're right, it is a spectrum. And it's it's such a broad topic to talk about, because people's experiences are so different. I mean, we can all relate to a situational depressive episode, you know, you, you're in a breakup, you get divorced, someone passes away. And that's totally different from kind of this chronic low level thing. And people really don't understand it. Uh, I've been at, at events uh, during my Hay House days, I remember being at one event that was at this beautiful spa called Miraval in Arizona, which is like heaven. I mean, you'd think everybody would be happy. And a lot of people that were at this event were miserable, just describing these depressive episodes and thinking, how can you be so unhappy? You're here at Miraval, you know, to the outside world, people question, you know, what what is going on? So sometimes it's really hard to understand what people are feeling, you know, when you're going through those things, whether it's situational or a long-term thing. And you say in the book that what people have been trying to fix isn't the entire problem. And what did you mean by that, that that isn't the entire problem? Yeah. So a lot of us, you know, run around trying to look for hormonal or chemical imbalances and do all these practices like, you know, yoga and meditation, all good things to be doing. Definitely. I'm so supportive of doing everything and anything when you're experiencing depression, anxiety, chronic illness, whatever it may be. But one of the things that we often miss is, is that at the root of depression, even if you have chemical imbalance, even if you have, you know, hormonal things going on or physical things going on, depression is the depression, the pushing down of ourselves and the disconnection that we feel when we get buried under the stress of our own lives. And, and there has been a direct link now between stress and, and physical symptoms or chemical imbalances or hormonal imbalances. So it's easy to look for on paper what's going wrong in blood tests, in evaluations. But one of the things we often miss is that this thing is happening inside of us. We become kind of buried by our lives or stresses or whatever has been going on, and we become detached from ourselves. And that's when we start to feel disconnected, depressed, when we aren't in touch with who we are, what we want, how we feel, our needs, our desires. And it's that disconnection 
that needs to be um, paid attention to, even if you're doing all the great things like meditation practices and going to your doctor and, and, you know, trying different medications, whatever you're doing, in addition to you cannot cut yourself out of the equation as far as looking inward. And you say in the book, depression, it's not all in our head. It's not all in our body. It's more of a combination of the two. And that disconnection that you're just talking about is really with our being, like with a capital yes. B. And yes. that's more of our our soul, our emotional self. Would you say Absolutely. that's what you mean? Yep. You got it, Diane. That's what it is. And And we can eat right all day and not eat any sugar, drink alcohol, or do all the things we're not supposed to do if we feel depressed. But that, for most people, doesn't fix it. Even medication, as much of a, a relief it can be, for most people, doesn't correct depression or solve the, you know, the problem of depression long term. Why? Because that's not the only problem. We're using remedies for things that may be helpful, but that doesn't mean that's the whole problem. When we want to address depression, we really need to do it from a whole self perspective. And that includes what you're talking about, our being, our spirit, who we are. Those are the parts of us, or that is the part of us that speaks up loud and clear through feeling bad when something is off. And that's the part we tend to listen to last. What's great about what you share in the book is that I think so many people can apply these techniques and work with them in addition to maybe they're already in some kind of cognitive, you know, talk therapy, or they're already working with a doctor on medication that seems to be helping. So you would advocate doing this in addition to right as well. Yes, absolutely. You will hear a lot of people who are supportive of natural um, approaches, um, you know, talk negatively about medication, about therapy. I am not that person. I am definitely not that person. Whatever works to bring relief, I'm in support of. And honestly, sometimes doing things like medication and, you know, traditional therapies help you to find enough relief so that you can do some of the deeper work of releasing these stresses and traumas. It's very, very hard to do the work while trying to be a hero and not receiving any help from the outside, right? That's my experience. So I always want to be loud and clear about no one needing to feel bad. Keep going to your doctor, keep going to your therapist, do all of those things, but also make sure you're addressing the root causes because you don't want to have to rely on other people, on therapists, on medication forever. You want to be able to really resolve the root issues so that you can move on with your life in ease. And if one of those pieces stops working or goes on vacation or whatever it may be, you don't want your own well-being to, to, to suffer. Right. And what I love about the book is I was reading it, it's kind of like peeling back the layers, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion because depression is not just like you said, it's in the book, it's not just a physical thing or just a mental thing. It's kind of a combination of, of other things. And when you look at the body and talking about it from an energy perspective, which I want you to explain, because I think that what you share in the book is, is so interesting. It's going to be so helpful for so many people out there listening if they're dealing with depression or maybe a loved one to understand how this energy works and looking at depression from an energetic perspective. 
So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that. How can we look at that, look at depression from an energetic perspective, not just a, a chemical thing? Yeah. So like we talked about, most people are looking from a chemical perspective or maybe even an emotional perspective, but we all have an energy system and nobody will deny this. This is why, you know, traditional Chinese medicine has been around for years and years and years and Ayurvedic medicine. And, and we all have, in addition to a physical body and emotional self, we have an energetic self. And our bodies run on essentially energy or electricity. This is why you're able to get an EKG that, that reads, you know, what's going on with your heart or an EEG that reads what's going on with your brain. That's all energy and electricity. And we have a subtle energy system in which energy pathways go throughout your entire body, sort of like rivers, and carry energy to various parts of your body, your muscles, organs, and glands. And when stress affects us, our energy flow can become disrupted or imbalanced. And the work that I do is teaching people how to release stress and trauma to rebalance the body's energy system, because the energy system is intricately linked to all of your physical body and all of your emotional self. So I sort of see it as the as the umbrella to work within. And so all of my techniques are simple self-application techniques that help you release stuck emotions from the body, change your beliefs, um, and to really get this energy system rebalanced because that will then affect your emotional self and your physical self. And would you say that this is a form of somatic therapy? Because I was doing some reading about that, but is that a different, I mean, that's a different it, approach, but it's a, yeah, it's a different similar? approach, but it is a way to deal with trauma and stress that changes the body's response. So I would say there are similarities. I would say it's more like acupuncture without the needles where we are releasing blockages in the body, in the energy system to help create overall balance. And when your body is energetically balanced, that is when your nervous system can heal, your immune system can heal. Um, and, and, you know, that has, that has a great effect on your chemical makeup as well. And you have to be ready to do this kind of work, right? Because you can't really force it. You wrote in the book, you, you can't forcing change doesn't work. So should people come to this when they pick up the book and they start spending some time with it and maybe working with the exercises that to really be ready with an open mind to do this? Yeah, I would say that a curiosity is the best thing to come to anything with, whether it's my work or someone else's work. You know, sometimes I do, um, you know, I do presentations or workshops and sometimes people will ask me something like, well, what if I don't believe in it? How can I make myself believe in it? Or what if I'm skeptical? Or and I always say, does it is it really worth putting that like this is free? You can get the book from the you, you can certainly buy the book, but you can also get it from the library. Like, is it worth having all this defensive, skeptical energy around it? Like, does it can you just try it like it's free? It can't hurt you, um, you know, so I would say come to it with an open mind because why not? Like, what do you have to lose? Um, the work isn't hard. It's not harder than being depressed. It's not harder than going to therapy. It's not harder than taking medication. So there's no reason to resist it. There's also no reason to have to prepare to do it. You could pick up the book today and start healing today within, you know, 10 or 15 pages of reading. So it doesn't take a lot, but I would say curiosity and an open mind is really important because so much of 
of how we sabotage ourselves is just like our own stuff that's so unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like I realize. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like we drive ourselves crazier than we need to be. And I say that in a loving way. (laughs) Um, But when I when I was healing from from Lyme disease and, and physical symptoms, I remember a couple people suggesting to me, like, have you looked at your emotions? This was when I was still very into like, find the right medicine, find the right treatment, I'll be cured and move on forever. And didn't realize there was this emotional component of, of everything, essentially, in terms of healing. And then a couple people said to me, like, well, you know, are you in a good relationship? Well, how, how do you feel emotionally? And I became so defensive that, that anyone would suggest that anything was wrong with me in terms of my emotions or I was doing anything wrong or I had contributed to this energy. And it took a bunch of years going by of me not feeling better using the traditional routes and coming to this realization, like, who cares? Like, what am I being so defensive about? This is so ridiculous. And I sort of had this like funny epiphany that it was like, why am I like, why do I care so much about if I did or didn't have anything to do with this? Like, why I was being so defensive and skeptical about how my emotions could be playing a part. Like it suddenly seemed so ridiculous that I was holding myself back from trying this new thing or exploring this new avenue because it was like all my ego basically. And it was just so funny. It was just, it kind of, it kind of cracked me up at some point that I was like putting all this energy into healing all this money into these doctors. And then like I was stopping myself. And so um, I think it's just important to like kind of be open-minded and relaxed about it. Like just check it out, see what, see what it's like. What if, what if this thing could make a difference? Absolutely. I think it's really important. I just watched this really interesting documentary about Daryl Hammond. Have you seen this? It's on Netflix. No. It's called Cracked. He is the actor from SNL that did Trump and Clinton. He was really famous for doing Clinton. Well, he describes his whole experience of healing from this really intense childhood trauma that he had tried to cover up and and dealt with for years. And he talks about doing, you know, body therapy, somatic therapy, the issues in the tissues and how when he finally went back and was able to identify this, that he was finally able to sleep at night. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. The documentary, he goes through a lot more than just not being able to sleep. I mean, years of, of horrible uh, drug addiction and alcohol abuse and just so much pain and suffering that he went through and all the misdiagnosis when really what he was suffering from was trauma, deep P, you know, PTSD that had not been excavated and dealt with. And I think that your method is could really be helpful for people where they don't have to go through all of that kind of horrible trauma and feeling bad and covering it up with drugs and alcohol and food or whatever is your coping mechanism at the time. It's it's interesting. You should check it out when when you get a yeah, chance. Yeah, I, I did want to, and that's what I found over the years with all of my students who I've worked with is and myself. I mean, this is essentially how I ended up healing permanently and completely like I did all of these methods, all of these doctors, all of these treatments. And like, of course, I think, you know, they, they all had a place, but it wasn't until I dealt with my emotional stuff, stress, trauma, that I really healed. And I've been well for over a decade now, no relapses, no problems. And without that, I am absolutely positive, I would still be in that chronic illness loop, looking for the right doctor, looking for another treatment, that it really was like sort of a last stone unturned for me. And, you know, many of us who 
experience depression, anxiety, chronic illness, we don't even have obvious huge traumas. I mean, I see with some of my students and, and myself that things that happen to us, like, you know, being made fun of in front of class one time in second grade has an impact on us. It doesn't have to be abuse, neglect. It doesn't have to be huge trauma. Some of us are just sensitive kids, sensitive people, and things affect us more than others. I mean, those types of things can traumatize us. And I think it's easy to miss them because just like we're talking about with depression, it doesn't seem that obvious or that big or not like it looks in somebody else. It's maybe not, you know, a true clinical, you know, clinical or diagnosable PTSD. It's just some emotional stuff that's still lingering that holds us back. Right, exactly. And you go through really clear steps to help us start to identify that and work through it. And I think it's just fascinating. And especially with what we're just talking about as far as dealing with traumas. And you're right, it doesn't have to be some horrible child abuse or something really, really traumatic. It can be a a series of things, you know, over a long period of time. And I'm sure all of us have inherited generational energy from our families you can't help that right it just happens over time absolutely and just stuff we picked up I mean stuff we picked up once we came to this earth from our parents and loved ones trying to do a great job raising us and we all have our stuff that gets you know absorbed by others and you know empaths really understand this how we take on everything but inherited stuff too just like we get you know personality traits or character traits from our parents energy can be passed down. So I always tell people, and I cover this in the book and how to, how to really clear it and address the root of it. But, you know, what did your parents go through? What did your grandparents go through? My grandparents were survivors of the Holocaust. I definitely think some of that energy from those experiences were passed down to my dad and to me, you know? And so it's, it's looking at your life, but also what could have happened before you that you might be carrying? A lot of my students who experience depression say, you know, I've always just kind of always felt off or I've always had these periods of feeling blue. I don't even know when they started. So sometimes when you don't have the point of origin for what's going on, when did it happen? Why, why is it like, you know, why is this happening? Um, it can be a good sign. You are carrying some inherited energy. All of this stuff is normal. It's actually normal to go through times where you feel depressed. It's actually normal to be carrying your ancestors stuff. It, all of this is normal. It just isn't good to keep it to, you know, to, to live in that state. So it's part of being human, but luckily there are so many ways now that we can, we can work on these these issues. Right. And as people start to work through the book and start reading it, some things might be familiar if they're familiar with the emotional freedom technique or EFT or have done some tapping or that uh, process in the past. But you have a little bit of a different approach with the exercises. I mean, some of them are similar. So people might feel familiar if they've worked with that. But I like how some of yours are, are different and and really easier to remember because <laughs> sometimes yeah, you know, try to some of those EFT. ones are very complicated. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't remember all the points and and things like that. So you kind of hone in and give people some real simple exercises that you share in the book. So you have a three step approach. You want people to get unstuck, 
which so many of us are. I think we all are in, in one form or another. I yeah. know I've got my stuck points, that's for sure. And to be able to heal ourselves, step two, and release that emotional baggage, and then to really make it stick to create lasting change, we have to address those patterns and then we'll be kind of be on our way. So yeah. you say that consistency really is the key to getting the best results. So you have to really make the effort, right, to do this on a regular basis. Yes, I would say the two things is like really making the effort to go into this, deciding that you're going to let go of a bunch of stuff that you've been carrying. And to be clear, consistency doesn't mean you do something for an hour a day. I mean, you can work 10 to 15 minutes a day. That's fine. It doesn't have to be... Um, hours a day, you're not going to be sitting on your bed crying, you're not going to, you know, people have all of these thoughts about how it's going to look. I mean, sometimes 10 minutes a day, you know, after work is enough, or, you know, before you get out of bed, whatever it is, following this book, the book is almost laid out like a workbook. So you could really just go through it piece by piece and, and just follow the exercises. Um, so that consistency is important. And then that last, that last step that you talked about, which is create lasting change, is so important and something I've addressed in this book, which I haven't addressed so much in other books, um, which is making changes in your life when, you know, if and when you are able. And what that means is changing some of the patterns, committing to joy, deciding that you're going to figure out how to have boundaries for maybe the first time in your life. Um, you know, leaving toxic relationships if you are able. And again, I want to to really put that if in there because in in, in sort of this uh, mind body spirit world, you know, we we can tend to we can tend to be a little bit like you can manifest anything, but we also have bills to pay, and there are also things that you know that socioeconomic factors that that sometimes create a situation where there are more obstacles for some people. So this last part of the book is really about doing things if and when you can, but really holding yourself accountable to make changes if and when you can, because a lot of times we spend so much time, I get emails, tons of emails that say, um, not so much anymore, because I really address this lately and in this book, but you know, I'm, you know, miserable in my relationship. It's been going on a million years. I'm not seen. I'm not loved. What energy work should I do? And the first thing I always say is if you are unhappy and you are able to leave, that should be a thought too. People want to know what meditation should I do? What energy work should I do? And all of that can help get us to a place where we are more courageous to do what we need to do. But sometimes there's not enough energy work in the world or enough visualization in the world to replace the fact that we're humans with free will. And when, you know, if right. and when we can make changes, it's important to do so. We'll hold that thought. We're going to be right back and dig in on this some more. Talking with Amy B. Sher. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me. I'm talking with Amy B. Share about her book, How to Heal Yourself from Depression, 
when no one else can. Stop feeling bad. You do have a lot more control over your health and your body than you may think. And she shares some really interesting information and some easy techniques that you can start doing these energy exercises and start working with your own body to start to heal yourself. And if you're listening and you're spinning out there online and you happen to hear us and you have a question, 816-251-3555 is the number to get in touch. So Amy, I wanted to see if you could share uh, just to get people thinking about moving some energy around in their bodies and and feeling how this actually works, maybe you could explain just an easy exercise, like maybe tap, breathe, and trace, uh, you know, or something that we can do even just in a few seconds, like sitting here. Yeah, sure. Let me actually use, I love tap, breathe, and trace, but how about thymus tapping? That's such an easy one that is actually also really good for kids. So hopefully if I share that one, then some of those parents out there will be able to help their kids with it. How does that sound? Oh yeah, no, that's a great idea. Okay, perfect. So you're, <laughs> so everyone has so so everyone has a thymus gland. Most people have a thymus gland. I'll say I've run into a few people who have had you know something something wrong and and no longer have a thymus. But most people have a thymus gland. And even if you don't, I'm going to tell you the area to tap to work with this energy that helps release stress. So if you go where um, a bow tie would be on the neck in that sort of notch of the neck and you go about an inch below, just slide your finger down and you use your fingertips to tap right there about an inch below where a bow tie would go. Your thymus gland is under your breastbone. It is the master gland of your immune system. And, and it is also connected to your entire energy system. So your thymus gland is one that is affected by stress and emotions very quickly. And when we tap it while we're feeling strong emotion or stress, we are actually using the percussive effect of the tapping to sort of send a swish of energy or a force of energy to clear blockages through the energy system by using the thymus gland and then rebalancing the thymus gland to support your immune system. So the way that it would work is if you just close your eyes and you think of something that feels stressful right now, which I think everyone can always come up with, unfortunately, and you just yeah. kind of hold that in your mind as you tap on your thymus gland and take some big deep breaths, you will actually be tapping to release the stress from your energy system and help rebalance your energy system and immune system in response to that stress. I sometimes like to pair the mantra, let go, let go, let go, to really direct your body to let go of that stressful energy. So go ahead and just keep tapping. I would say with medium pressure, you can repeat after me if you want, let go, let go, let go. Let go, let go, let go. So I was thinking it. Should I say it out loud or does it matter? Either way, you can, thinking it is totally fine. We'll just <laughs> do it a little bit longer. Let go, let go, let go. And what you're essentially doing is you're releasing stress, but with those words, which are, which are, I like to say them, but they're not necessary. You are actually giving your body direction to start letting go of stress and difficult emotions, because many of us have a pattern of bottling up emotions and holding on to them. 
And when we tell ourselves that we can let go, the body goes, oh, okay. And we start to sort of support a pattern of letting go instead of holding on. And a lot of the reason many of us end up experiencing depression or anxiety is because we have held on to everything. We have held on to those difficult emotions. So if you stop once or twice a day or whenever you're feeling really stressed, and you do this for even 30 seconds to two minutes, it's really helpful to help release those stressful emotions from the body. So it's like a pattern interrupt in a way. Yes, it's like a pattern interrupt. It's, it's two things. One, it is actually releasing stuck energy from the system so that you have less of it. And over time, if you do it regularly, it will help lessen sort of the emo- the the burden or the emotional baggage you're carrying. And it is also a system retraining or a system interrupt, which says, wait, I've been holding on to these emotions and I'm holding on to this bad feeling and this stress, but now I'm going to let go, let go, let go. I love that. I'm going to put that in my regular rotation of coping mechanisms. Good. <laughs> and it's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. Screaming. It is yes, there you go. very easy. <laughs> Instead and kids of running really like this one with kids. Um, so I originally learned about the thymus gland and tapping there from Donna Eden, who's an energy medicine pioneer and wrote the book Energy Medicine. And her suggestion is for kids to thump or use like Tarzan thumping with their hands around that area to release energy. So if you have kids and they're frustrated or sad or angry, you can have them kind of you know, um, thump their chest like Tarzan with their fist to release that energy and just have them do it around that general area. And it can be really helpful. That's a great technique. And there's other ones in the book that you share that are really easy to to remember and, and, and incorporate. Like if I'm sitting here overwhelmed, you know, sometimes there's just too much input, you know, too many emails to answer. And I just take a minute and instead of my brain seizing and <laughs> start screaming, then I'll do a short tapping, you know, for a few minutes right on the thymus gland there. And I could just do the breathing and say, you know, let go, let go, yeah. let go. Yeah. And, and what most of us do when we're stressed is go to something more stressful. We go to Facebook, we go to Instagram, we start scrolling, we get even more of that input that you're talking about. And what we need to do is just take like at least a one to two minute break and calm our systems down so that it shifts our perspective and we can go back into our task feeling better and and not overwhelmed. But we tend to, when we're overwhelmed, we tend to seek more overwhelm and stress. And, um, you know, we don't get ourselves very far. We just kind of end up going through the days and, and through life in fight, flight, or freeze. But by taking that break and doing something, you're resetting your system into a better place. What I thought was interesting in the book, just going a little deeper, is that people don't really know what emotions they're suppressing. Like that's a great, easy technique for just dealing with a situation in the moment or you're stuck in traffic, you're stressed, and you need that interrupt from that circular, like the the spiral of thoughts that you're in that's causing you so much stress. But when you peel back a, a little bit more and you get a little bit deeper into the book, And you have a list of emotions that are suppressed and things that we might not even be aware of. And that's what I thought was so interesting, like delving into beliefs that we have, you know, some of the things that are buried that we don't really know 
how to excavate. And you had an interesting way of identifying some of the emotions that are suppressed. And what are some of the things that we might not even be aware of? Yeah, so there's so many things we aren't aware of, but don't worry because I laid them all out in the book, so you will become aware. Um, <laughs> and I think that's yeah. the, I think that's actually the greatest challenge with with depression is it's like we're sitting around feeling like crap, and we're like, what is it? What is causing it? So this book actually lays out all the things that are often hidden that are causing it. So. So, you know, there, there are a lot of emotions. One of them is anger. There are so many, especially women who will, will say to me, I'm not angry, but it's like the anger is buried. Like, are there any, are there any people listening who cry when they're angry? Because it feels sad. It comes out as sad because they're suppressing that anger. So anger, grief, fear. And those are the three emotions that that we're often suppressing that leads to depression. And when I say fear, it's not like I'm scared to drive across the bridge. It's more fear of being who we really are, fear of being rejected or unloved, fear of, you know, it really comes down to a fear of being our true selves. And that fear is something I help, I help you identify and address in the book. Um, something else that's hidden that I talk about in the book is the belief that I don't matter. So feeling like you don't matter that can be tied into depression in a huge way because it makes us feel like, what's the point, right? How many of us have experienced depression and the primary sort of question we ask ourselves is what's the point? Why does it matter? What is life about? It's like that, that, that who cares kind of, or why should I care energy? And the belief that you don't matter is often programmed from a young age. And can you imagine the difference in your life day to day between feeling like you don't matter and walking around and, you know, um, truly believing like you don't matter, whether that's in work or in, at home or in relationships, to, to reprogramming that by working through this book and believing that you do matter. Can you even imagine the energy shift and the way in which you would go about your day differently? So, so there are so many things that I, that I talk about in the book and help people really move through. Right. It's some deep stuff. Like once you get into it and you start thinking about this, it, it really is interesting. And what you were saying that a lot of our, our beliefs and fears and these things are formed before we're even seven. And then we just kind of bury it and try to go on with our lives. And then it, it'll come up. These things will rear their heads later on in life. And that's what I think is interesting is delving down into that. Like there's one, maybe, maybe you can help me with this because I don't know where yeah. it came from. Like, I'll throw myself out there. Like, one of my beliefs and fears that I've held for a long time has, revolves around math and numbers. And I have this aversion to it. I always have. And I know it goes back to probably first grade or where we began even learning about that. And I remember getting those red X's back on papers. Mm. And so it was in, it was instilled long ago that you're not smart enough to deal with numbers you shouldn't do any kind of math. You, you can't. And so like all through school, I did the easiest math I could just to get by, just to handle it. And even now, like numbers, IRS, those kind of things terrify me. Like I'm afraid mm -hmm. the man in black's going to come knocking on the door. You didn't do this on your tax return. <laughs> right, right. Jail. You know, and, and I know it's irrational because that's not going to happen. And I hire an accountant to do those kind of things and, and trust him. But 
I always wondered, like, why is that? Why can't I shake that? I mean, I don't think I'm going to be a math whiz overnight. Right, right. But, but you don't want to be traumatized. I mean, it sounds like you have an right. experience that that happened when you were young that you need to clear the energy around. So it is maybe like a little bit of PTSD. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it can be, and by the way, we must be like long lost sisters, because I have like this, I'm, math is not my strong point, although I don't think <laughs> I'm traumatized version. by it anymore, but I can completely relate to what you're saying. And um, it is about going back and changing, you could use the sweep technique from the book, which helps you sweep away old beliefs and reprogram them. But releasing that old direction and old programming that one, I'm bad at math, or two, that if I'm bad at math, something terrible will happen, because that's not true. If you're bad at math, you'll just be bad at math. It's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, as an adult, these are right. the things we do. We hire accountants. And and so <laughs> clearing a belief, like, if I'm bad at math, I'll be in danger. That would be the belief that I would use the sweep to clear. And I bet that will make a huge difference for you. Yeah, I'm going to work on that because it was something that I've been thinking about. And as I was reading the book, I thought, you know, I really need to try to let go of, of that because I know, okay, I can get through life without being an algebra whiz. It's okay. I, I hired a guy <laughs> to do this other stuff. Yeah. Like and it even filters into other things. Like I'm afraid to throw out receipts, you know, or paper. Right. And hold on to that. Right. It because has tentacles that could is be, what I call it. It does. It has tentacles. Like this receipt could save me from, you know, the man in black taking me to jail. So it's yes. interesting how like those things, when you start peeling them back and then you see, well, maybe that fear really is. I'm not, I feel I'm not smart enough in some capacity, you know, in mm -hmm, that way. Maybe mm -hmm. And that could be a belief to clear too. And a lot of people have that one. I'm not smart enough or I need to be smarter to be loved or to be safe. All of those all of those things um, can be cleared. Thank goodness. Yes, we have techniques. There's ways yes, to do it. Yes, we do. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and also, I thought it was interesting talking about dealing with stuck emotions or feelings. I mean, I'm sure you've talked to many girlfriends about trying to shake that that breakup or the divorce, or they kind of hold on to something for so long. I mean, even, I'm thinking of a friend right now who has who went through a horrible breakup, but it's been like 10 years and she still hasn't opened the door and mm. she'll never have another relationship. And, and you're keeping yourself cut off from love and really being happy and having joy in your life because you're, you may think you're over it. You're quote over that, but it, you're really not. You're carrying it with you. Wounds. Right. And, and mm. that's where you can, you can use some of the techniques to go back and find out which emotions you're still carrying or what beliefs you're still carrying. Like a lot of people, you know, will carry the belief that, you know, I got hurt once I'll get hurt again. Or I've had, I've had clients that, um, that had the belief no one will ever be as good as that person was, even though that person wasn't that good. And that's why they were broken up. So it's just like these things get stuck in our heads and, um, you know, our beliefs really, really drive our behavior. So if your beliefs are not in, in alignment with what's good for you or good for your life, you're in big trouble. I mean, our beliefs really are the messengers for how we behave in life, what we do, the actions we, we take, the, the, you know, the decisions we make. And so we need to make sure that those beliefs are healthy ones or we could be off in the wrong, running in the wrong direction. 
Right. It can cause so much damage. The belief that, well, this is all I deserve, or this yes. is the best I can do. Yeah. And, and I cover it. that and one in just, the book. I'm undeserving. Yeah. It's a huge one. It's so common, so common, but luckily beliefs are the easiest thing to change. I think, um, there, there are huge things that can block you, but they're not that hard to change. You just have to find out which ones they are. And I pages and pages of them in the book and use some of the simple techniques to clear them and they make the hugest difference. Well, let's talk about just the one that you mentioned, like I'm not deserving. Mm -hmm. What would be a, a, a quick, you know, or an exercise or some way we could explain to people listening how you could reframe that belief that you don't deserve something? Yeah, so for that one, I would use the sweep technique from the book because that is a script that is specifically for undoing these types of beliefs. And there's two fill in the blanks in the script. It's so easy. All you have to do is read it. But it essentially reprograms your subconscious mind. It directs your subconscious mind to let go of the idea that you're undeserving and to install the new idea that you are deserving. And I usually have people do it a few times in a row, but it only takes about five to seven minutes each. And it really is just repeating a script. I also have it on YouTube if anybody wants to see it in a video, um, but it's so easy and it just gives the body the language it needs, the gentle language it needs to coax it into letting go of what no longer serves and replacing it with something that is beneficial. Right. And I want people to go and check out some of your videos. I looked a little bit before we talked today. So they can just search Amy B. Share S-C-H-E-R on YouTube and find, you know, maybe the sweep technique and, yep. you know, learn, learn a little bit more about that. So I wanted to mention, though, for people that I mean, we talked a little bit about Daryl Hammond and the major trauma that he had. But I mean, if there is something someone is dealing with like that, would you caution them to, you know, work with a professional or maybe not attempt something very, yeah. Uh, yeah. Know. Thanks for asking about that. <laughs> you know, and crazy. I do, yeah. I do say that in the book. I mean, everybody knows themselves. I don't want people to shy away from doing this work because it's self, you know, it's self-development work, it's self-help work and, and it can be done without any help. But if you do have a major trauma, it's hugely helpful to see a professional because they have seen, whereas you've only seen your one case, they've seen hundreds or thousands of cases and really know how to work with it to um, not just stir it up, but clear it completely. And so I would definitely caution if it's something like abuse or neglect or, you know, some, some major incident to work with a trained medical professional for sure. But that doesn't mean you can't, you know, also integrate the techniques in this book. Sure. And read through the book and maybe try some of these to give yourself some relief. But something yes. that would require professional, then you would definitely want to go that route for sure. So Absolutely. I wanted to talk while we had a few minutes left um, a little bit about boundaries. because You bring this up in the book, and I think this is so important, and especially for women, because we seem to never set boundaries or we're difficult at it. We don't like to say no. And I'm oh guilty my gosh. as well. <laughs> Yes. I don't want to let people down and, you know, you can count on me and, and that kind of thing. But it, it really is important to set up a, a framework of boundaries. And you have some great scripts in the book, you know, how to say no, how to say yes with a condition. And yes. you really have to teach yourself this, right? 
Yes. Isn't this funny? This is the first book where I did this because I, I started talking a lot about boundaries as most, you know, as, as, as we do. And I had a couple of people say like, oh, well, how do you say no? And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, we don't like, like literally, how do you say it? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. When you don't have good boundaries and it took me a while, you don't even know how to say it because you don't say it or you scoot around it. And so I, in the book, I told everybody they could steal my um, tried and true methods of saying no, um, which are all very nice, but they're just to the point. And, um, you know, there's, there's all these sayings, no is a complete sentence. It's like, those are all really cute, but no one's literally going to reply to an email with no. I mean, nobody does that. So I tried to give really applicable, kind, like things we would actually really use and the things that I actually really use, which is like something like, I'd love to so much, but I'm sorry, I won't be able to make it. Or I'd love to come, but I need to leave by 4 p.m. Like I, I teach people how to say yes, but also with a boundary. So you're able to do something if you want to, but then you don't get sucked into a boundaryless situation where you're you know, stuck helping somebody all night or whatever it may be. Um, and I do that a lot. I'm not, I'm, I don't love to talk on the phone. And so somebody wants to talk. I mean, of course I talk to friends and family, but if somebody wants to talk and I don't have the energy or what I'll say, I'm happy to talk for 10 minutes, but then I'm going to have to jump off the call versus being in a panic and a hour long phone call that completely, you know, drains my energy. So there are so many ways to say no, where the other person just kind of goes, okay, like we think people are going to like fall apart if we say no, but if you say it in a way that feels true and easy and you don't add 50 paragraphs of explanation, it usually goes pretty well. <laughs> Right. That's a good example. And because I get hung up on phone calls like that all the time. Oh, and my gosh. Right. Just, you know, give a gentle boundary of, you know, hey, I'd love to chat. I've got 10 minutes and yes. that's it. I'm just I'm fried today or something. And you, you bring up a good point of not to go into too much explanation or reasoning or all of that. It's like, no, because of this. And that's it. The end. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so much. (laughs) Right. The way that the way that somebody else receives it is so much better when you don't add a bunch of stuff. Like it they feel it too. You know, when you start writing like five paragraphs to try to justify it, and it's just like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. And you're only adding a lot of stuff and energy to this email or to the reply or whatever. So I always write my email and then go back and be like, do I let me make sure I really need to say all this. Or can I just say, no, thanks. I have something else going on that day. Instead of like telling this random person all the things I have going on that day that they don't even care about. And I don't need to rehash. <laughs> exactly. You know, there should be a whole book. I'm sure that someone's done this or some kind of article or something on just, you know, email protocol of, yes. of how to do that, <laughs> you know, without yes, the long so explanation. True or just the the short flat no or something like that. But boundaries are so important and really a major key to relieving a lot of stress and anxiety in your life. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, that that alone puts you in such an empowered position. And and once you do it a few times, like it used to feel like the end of the world for me to say no. Once you do it a few times, you're like, oh, people care less than like you thought they would. 
You know what I mean? Like they just don't, everyone's saying no, it doesn't really matter. Like if somebody's upset, they'll get over it usually. It's not, it's just, you get better at it. And I used to say a lot of yeses and then have to go back and say no, because I'd realized I'd made a mistake and there's nothing worse than having to do that. So I always remember when I was about to say something, only say yes, if I really want to, because it's harder to, to go back and change your yes than to go back and change your no. If I say no, and then tomorrow I really want to go, I'm sure the person will be happy to let me back into the party or whatever. So it's better to say no and go back later. Don't we make ourselves crazy just trying to predict? Oh my gosh! I don't know why we do it to ourselves. We have so much stuff. (laughs) It's it's so crazy. I I just wanted to tell you something quickly that was funny. Uh, A friend of mine went I went by her house and she had this cheesecake there and I go oh look cheesecake and she's like no don't eat that it's for something else I said okay so a couple of days later I get a phone call she said I made you a cheesecake I'm like well that's great why. She goes, well, I I thought you were mad at me because I told you not to eat this cheesecake. And I felt so bad. And I thought, wow, like she stressed this for a couple of days, thinking I was mad at her for something so silly and telling me not to eat this. So she made me this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. Thanks for the cheesecake. Like I was so I was happy she made me this thing, but it was so unnecessary. But you hadn't thought about it, right? Totally forgot. I didn't give it another thought. I, I went on with my day. But this cause someone else pain. I think we do put ourselves through these like mental machinations of trying to figure out what other people are reacting to and what they're going to think and believe when it's so crazy, because we'll never be a mind reader. You know, we're not the amazing Kreskin or whoever that guy was from the 70s. Right. I don't even know if he read minds. I think he just bent spoons. But you know, trying to figure out what other people are, are thinking or how they're going to react is is so crazy you know it's been so great to chat with you and i want people to get this book because i think it's so valuable and it's going to help so many people so the best place to find you would be your website amy b share s-c-h-e-r.com is that the best or is that even the right perfect that's great that's it (laughs) amy that's it that's the place and pick this up how to heal yourself from depression when no one else can, you are your best doctor, your best advocate, your best everything. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so much fun to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.